Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, March 11th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about one news item, and mostly we're going to have uh, Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall give us his first impressions of South by Southwest 2019. My name is Ben Pearson. I am the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and as you may have guessed, I am joined, indeed, by Jacob Hall. Jacob, how's it going? Uh, it's going very well, Ben. I, if you, if you sound a little rough, it's because I'm on my phone on the roof of the Alamo Draft House South Lamar parking garage overlooking the Austin skyline. It's going to rain. I have an umbrella. It's going to be rough, but here I am. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you uh, joining us. Normally we do water cooler episodes on Monday, but we figured it would be a good opportunity to check in with you, have you tell us about some of the movies that you've been seeing there. But before we get into that, I want, I want to talk to you about one news item that just came out, and that is that Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok, is going to be writing and directing a Time Bandits TV series adaptation for Apple. Uh, Time Bandits, of course, is the movie that's directed by Terry Gilliam. It's a, like a sci-fi fantasy. I actually haven't seen this, but I know you're a big fan of it. So what do you think about the pairing of Taika Waititi with uh, a Terry Gilliam TV show? It's really inspired because Gilliam and Waititi have sh- share this gleeful anarchy uh, that... I think makes them uh, sort of cinematic cousins in a very interesting way. For those of you who don't know, Time Bandit's movie 
is about the uh, servants of God, more or less, the servant of the higher force of, of the universe. Not necessarily a Christian God, but the God, but a God, uh, who are all played by little person actors, steal the map to all the different time portals around the universe with the intention of using it to uh, become rich by robbing art and treasures throughout the ages. They go on this grand, crazy adventure where they're just hopping through time, trying to make a profit by stealing everything they can, and they end up fighting the literal uh, source of all evil. I, it, I think his name in the script is actually, like, is actually evil or something like that. So it's just very wild fantasy family film. That I remember Gilliam describing it as uh, smart enough for kids and exciting enough for adults. <laughs> it's a very, very fun, strange thing. That sounds really interesting, and you know, and as far as the actual information we know about this show, like I said, it's going to be for Apple. Um, Taika Waititi is going to be co-writing and directing the pilot, and actually Terry Gilliam is going to be executive producing it. So um, it's not just going to be him necessarily passing the baton. It's going to be those two sort of working side by side to bring this to life. So it sounds uh, pretty exciting. I'm really curious to see how they work together because even though they have very similar you know types of whimsy in their movies, Gilliam's worldview ultimately is. We dream and make art until we fail because we're ultimately doomed. Whereas Ratiti says, hey, I dream and make art because I'm going to win. Yeah. So I'm very, very curious to see how those two worldviews can come together. Well, speaking of worldviews, tell us about some of the views into the world that you've been witnessing uh, through the movies at South by Southwest. What have you seen so far? What's the uh, the general experience been like? This is, what, day three? Or you're, you're technically in day four of the festival right now? Is that right? Yes, my coverage of the first three days is up on, on online, slash if you want to read more about everything I've seen. Uh, but this is day four, and South by Southwest is always an organizational cluster. It's always a huge mess to try to navigate and cover, but the programming is always top-notch. Uh, and this is one of the best years I've experienced in some time. I've seen a lot of winners, especially from the major movies this year. So do you want to hear about the best movies first, Ben, or do you want to hear about the ones maybe I was a little disappointed by and work up? I think we got to do the latter. Let me hear about the ones that you, you're disappointed by, and then we'll work up to the best ones. All right. The two movies I think uh, deserve to be mentioned, even though I didn't necessarily love them. Uh, one is a Netflix movie, and it's your dad's new favorite movie. It's called The Highwaymen. It's John Lee Hancock, the director of The Founder and Save Mr. Banks, The Rookie, The Alamo. And it is uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson are the two Texas Rangers who hunted down and ultimately killed Bonnie and Clyde. So it's the Bonnie and Clyde story told in the POV of the men who led the ambush that killed them after spending months hunting them on the road. And it's the daddiest dad movie you've ever seen, Ben. It's, <laughs> it's, it's tough cowboys driving cars down country roads, talking about death and reflecting on life, and there are barely any women in it. <laughs> it's just, I can imagine, you know, um, so many fathers, you know, waiting until the afternoon where they were, the family's away cracking open a beer and having a great time with this. Johnny Hancock, it's, he's a very capable director. It's a very capably made movie. I just think that it's almost a little bit too down the middle. I mean, I think that the Bonnie and Clyde story is, is, exists in such so many shades of gray. And that's why they made a counterculture, you know, revolutionary 1960s film about them, about these 1930s gangsters. Whereas ultimately, even though, to the film's credit, it pauses to let these Texas Rangers reflect on how lives of violence have have traumatized them in ways that like they don't talk about it, it does acknowledge that but it ultimately sides in the fact that yeah these coffee cowboys broke all the laws and they won and they're very cool and why don't we do that anymore and it ultimately feels like that in a way that made me kind of like Ugh. but at the same time there's no denying that this is skillfully made dad entertainment at its at its best i just feel like it it, it, it tries to impose a black and white worldview 
on a situation that I feel is incredibly morally gray. Well, I guess it's uh, encouraging to dads everywhere to know that Netflix is taking the TNT approach to their movie making, <laughs> at, least, uh, <laughs> at least in certain areas. So uh, what else have you seen, Jacob? Uh, I want to give a brief shout out to a movie that I caught only because it was the only thing I could make it into at the time. And we actually have a review from Sundance. That's Little Monsters, a horror comedy starring Lupita Nyong'o as a kindergarten teacher trying to protect her students during a zombie uprising. And the movie itself, I wish I liked it. I love the director's first movie, Down Under. It's extremely pitch black Australian comedy. And this one is, is only okay. Scenes work individually, but as a whole, I don't think it hangs together. But Lupita Nyong'o is a revelation here, and she's so funny. And the running theme this year itself by is that Lupita Nyong'o has been failed by Hollywood because she is so incredibly good in Little Monsters and so incredibly good in, here's my segue, Jordan Peele's new film, Us. Mm, yes. Okay, well, yeah, let, let drop the gauntlet on us. How how was it? That's, I think that's arguably the biggest movie at South by that everybody was very curious about going in. Yeah, if, if you're wondering if Get Out was a fluke, if Jordan Peele had one movie in him, you're wrong. Us is not Get Out. It's a very different movie, very different intentions. It's not about race, but it is about very, very, um, let's just say, relevant social ideas that are uh, packaged together in Twilight Zone style with extremely intense horror, very funny comedy, and all held together by like incredible performances. The lead actors, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke from Black Panther as her husband, and uh, the two child actors who, forgive me, like I'm on a roof with no, with no Wi-Fi, so I can't look at their names, but they're all, they're all very good, and they, they play a very convincing family unit who are under siege in their home by doppelgangers wielding scissors who look just like them but intend to kill them. And that's what the trailers show. And that's all the plot I really want to give here because Universal's done an amazing job of hiding this movie's many, many surprises. The stuff in the trailers is very much from the first half hour of that movie. This movie goes places. At first, I thought I was watching Jordan Peele try to do, you know, French New Extremity, try to do like Inside uh, or Martyrs or those extremely brutal European horror movies. But then he pulls out his Rod Serling and he realized, oh, yeah, this guy's, this guy's a Twilight Zone fan of heart. And it just becomes this. I'll put it this way, Ben. When I figured out what he was trying to get across, what the message of this movie was, in addition to being this terrifying crowd pleaser that's really, really funny, my jaw dropped because I did not see the metaphor coming, and the metaphor hit me in a way that I was not expecting. And I was able to interview Jordan Peele, and that interview would go up post the movie's release because I only wanted to talk about the ending. I only wanted to talk about how the movie doubles back on itself in ways that people are going to be talking about for a long time, I think. I don't want to say this is better than Get Out because I've only seen him once and I've seen Get Out five or six times. But this proves that he's here to stay. He has stuff to say. He says it better in more entertaining ways than like any other horror filmmaker working right now. That is incredibly encouraging to hear. And, and Jacob, I think the last time I heard you talk about a movie like this was your reaction to uh, Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria. And I'm, I'm sure that movie and us are wildly different in 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 a myriad of ways but do you uh just just based do you find that assessment accurate in terms of like um i don't know i just remember you talking about suspiria and being like when i realized what that movie was actually about i was sort of bowled over and it reminded me of what you just said about us yeah that's very accurate the biggest difference is that suspiria is an art house film that keeps you at arm's length by intention and that's why it was a box office bomb and i love suspiria but that's the truth whereas us should do get out style numbers because it is a huge crowd pleaser. It is so funny and so scary and so wild. It is, it is a gonzo movie and it, it, it puts pleasing the audience first while it is secretly 
laying the groundwork for delivering what the movie's about. It is, goodness me, I don't want to say it's perfect, but I, I, I want to say it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good news. And, and it's even better news for everybody who's not at South by Southwest because the movie comes out on March 22nd. So it's, it's what, yes. 11 days from now or something. So we don't have to wait very long to to get a, a look at this one ourselves. Um, what else oh, have you... One, oh, go ahead. One more thing. I'm sorry, because I, I, I wanted to make sure my segue made sense. Lupita Nyong'o is doing Tony Collette and hereditary level work here, Ben. <laughs> Kind of work that people in 20 years will say oh why didn't that win an oscar because it was better than everything else that year i she, she's doing things that we will talk about in a spoiler podcast in the future i guarantee it oh man i'm so excited okay what, what else have you been seeing jacob all right the other thing i want to talk about is two movies i saw yesterday i saw two comedies yesterday that i loved and i they're both they couldn't be more different the first of them is uh riley stern's the art of self-defense and Riley Stearns, uh, I saw his first film, Faults, at South by Southwest a few years ago, a very tiny, practically one-room thriller. And uh, this movie's much, it's not, it's not a whole lot bigger, but it's definitely bigger. It stars Jesse Eisenberg as a man who is mugged outside his home and decides to take karate lessons in a strip mall dojo to improve his self-esteem and uh, to overcome his fears. And it's, it's this really, really funny thing. I was tempted to compare it to the Coen brothers or to uh, Wes Anderson because the world he creates is so fastidious. Uh, the details are so strange and eccentric, but it never feels as precious as something like, you know, Raising Arizona or Royal Tenenbaums, but it gives me that same impression of this, like, sort of vaguely 1994 world where the time period is not specified. And the dialogue is incredibly stylized while also being delivered so dryly that I feel like on the page it could read like bad dialogue, but the actors know how to sell it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's this incredibly unreal, surreal world. And it's very funny just to watch Jesse Eisberg try to enter the world of karate with this extremely domineering, intense guy uh, who only goes by Sensei. I don't want to say too much, but this movie starts off dark and gets darker and darker and darker as it goes along. And in a, in a year where we're talking about how uh, you know toxic groups are indoctrinating impressionable men in, into their ranks by appealing to their masculinity, by saying this is how you become strong, this film is very much about that, and it uses you know a tacky strip mall karate dojo to build that point in ways that are ultimately horrifying. This movie does horrifying, terrifying things while never losing its comedy. Like, there's a moment in the film that's as dark as anything I've seen in any comedy, maybe ever. Uh, but it's but the, the actual dialogue is so funny that I, even though if, if I describe the event to you, you would probably say I will never see that movie. <laughs> but I, but the way it plays out, it walks that tightrope and, and it works. And Sensei himself, uh, maybe one of the better villains I've seen in a, in a South by Southwest film in some time. He's a terrifying, hilarious uh, buffoon. He's the kind of guy who, he's such a cartoon, uh, um, but he takes himself so seriously that you, uh, from a distance, you wonder, oh, why is this guy getting so many young men to follow him and, and hang on to every word? Then you remember, oh, look at the president. So it's, <laughs> it feels very, very relevant right now. I also saw Riley Stern's first movie, Fault, back when that came out in, I think, 2014. And uh, that movie, thinking back on it now, it's sort of a a dark and grimy movie that had uh, a surprising sense of humor throughout. And it sounds like that through line sort of stayed true in in this movie. Do you think this is like a step up or or a lateral move for him? How do you compare it to Fault in that way? I mean, they're they're very different movies. This is a straight-up comedy, even as dark as it is. And it's... Uh, for me, it's a step up. He has a bigger budget. He has, you know, uh, he has, he has, you know, I want, I don't want to say better actors, but he has, you know, bigger name actors who are appearing in this image and Poots and Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, and 
I, I, I feel like Faults was just successful enough for him to take the money and time he needed to make something more ambitious. Mm-hmm. And I left this going, man, I hope it's not five more years before I see another Riley Stearns movie. Cool, cool. All right, so that is, what's the name of that one again? Uh, the uh, the Art of Self-Defense. And the trailer should be go up in Slash Film today, and I wrote a little bit about that too. Excellent. And I know we also ran the trailer for uh, Booksmart today. Yes. Uh, Booksmart is a directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, the actress. And I did not know this, Ben, but she her first film proved that she uh, may be one of the most surprising and wonderful first-time directors I've seen in some time. And Booksmart is fantastic. It is very much Superbad, The Breakfast Club, all those you know seminal uh, high school movies and, and basic structure, but the details uh, make it shine. It's about two overachieving friends and, uh, who on the d- day before they graduate from high school uh, learned that all the lunk-headed idiots they went to school with also got into colleges of their dreams while partying and having fun. So feeling they've wasted their high school years, decided to go out into town and celebrate and, ha- and attend high school parties and be the fun people they, they, they avoided being because they thought it would keep them from you know achieving their dreams of going to good schools. And that may sound unfamiliar, but the relationships here are so honest and funny. And I feel like if you were ever uncool in high school, which I certainly was, <laughs> you will see this movie and, and shudder and, and nod a lot. Uh, but it's ultimately really sweet because even though it has a super bad raunch to it, it has that John Hughes thing or the good John Hughes thing where the final message of the movie is, hey, you don't know someone until you talk to them and actually know them. And I feel like the movie is ultimately very much a snapshot of teenage life in 2019. You know, this movie couldn't exist 10 years ago. It has, you know, ride sharing and social media and YouTube and all the things that are actually, all things actually vital to the plot. And I was so charmed by it. I laughed a whole lot. And I was just genuinely moved by the final message and how these characters and their relationship with both the two leads and everyone around them evolved. It's, it is going to open in May from Annapurna. And I'm, and if they can sell this as, you know, all those male high school raunchy comedies, but actually genuinely great and actually much better than almost all of them. And it should be, a, I can't imagine saying not being a, a huge like touchstone for a lot of people. So uh, this movie stars Caitlin Deaver, who was really great on multiple seasons of the FX series Justified. Also stars Beanie Feldstein, who had a, a, I would call it a breakout performance in Lady Bird a couple years ago. Uh, I know we probably don't want to uh, put too fine a point on this, but how how were their performances? How was their relationship in this film? I, I feel like I'm just being overwhelmingly positive. Uh, it's because I love this movie, and I, but they were they are two of the most authentic movie best friends I've ever seen. Uh, their dynamic makes so much sense. And when they do clash, uh, it, it, it pangs. I think a reality that almost all long-time friendships go through. And they, they, make, they make for such different types of, of this type of character. I mean, um, one of them is uh, uber-feminist, um, overachieving, um, brash, confident. The other one is uh, queer, very 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 shy soft-spoken and just and just trying to um exist without being noticed and they make for this really really fun pair and they bounce off each other in ways that really work and if they had told me this movie was an hour longer with more of them just hanging out i would have watched it (laughs) awesome so have you seen anything else jacob i've been i don't want to go too long i gotta get to our screening but i i I, see a documentary called tread and as far as i know it doesn't have distribution yet and if it Netflix needs to buy this because this is a movie that if they put it on Netflix, everybody in your at your office will watch this and say, "Did you watch Tread on Netflix?" 
Uh, it's a documentary about a man who in 2004 uh, turned a bulldozer into a bulletproof tank, then rampaged through a small Colorado town before ending his own life, uh, just smashing through buildings and destroying cars. And it vanished from the headlines for reasons that are explained in the movie. And I had, I'd never even heard of this. I don't remember this happening at all. And the movie delves into why this happened uh, through the hundreds of hours of audio tapes that he left explaining his decisions, why he did this, and interviews with the, the subjects of the town, the people who knew him, the people who were not friendly with him. And it is a fascinating doc because someone is lying. Either he is a total madman who's lying in his audio tapes, or everybody in town is lying about everything he says. So there's always, always unreliable narrators trying to explain why this man built a tank and destroyed his town. And I was, I was fascinated by it. It's really, really horrifying. And the final stretch, the final third of it, which is a, uh, a series of reenactments and actual footage of his tank rampage are, are harrowing. But everything leading up to that, all these, all the small town politics and like bitter resentments and all the things you, if you ever lived in like, you know, a small rural town, you kind of know how everybody knows each other, which actually leads to the worst kinds of gossip. Uh, it's all very thrilling on a micro level before the fireworks factory shows up. <laughs> well, I mean, 2018 was a huge year for documentaries. So maybe some studio, some distributor somewhere will uh, be looking at those box office numbers and, and see some uh, a glimpse of hope and, and maybe pick this one up and, and put it out in theaters uh, if somebody like Netflix doesn't snag it first, because it sounds pretty interesting. Um, Jacob, I know you have to go, but what movie are you getting ready to go see? What, what else do you have on your schedule coming up? What are you excited about? Uh, today, I'm about to go see Extraordinary, an uh, Irish film about a woman with supernatural powers uh, that also stars, uh, has a showdown with a rock star who's possessed by a demon played by Will Forte. I don't, that's all I know about it. I know the publicity company sent me a fake severed finger in the mail to promote it, and I said, okay, I'll see your movie. Um, <laughs> then I'm seeing the uh, first episode of Nosferatu, the new uh, Joe Hill adaptation uh, coming to AMC later this year. I'll be seeing that later this night. And then uh, I'll be capping off an evening with the world premiere of Good Boys, the Jacob Tremblay R-rated comedy uh, that's coming to theaters later this summer. Yeah, and that trailer is actually up on SlashFilm.com right now. So if you want to check that out, if you want to check out all of Jacob's reviews and the reviews that we have coming in from a variety of different con contributors, please visit SlashFilm.com. Jacob actually has, uh, he's doing these daily diaries where he talks about every movie that he's seen there or and just TV shows as well. He, he's got a, a recap of uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the new FX uh, comedy there as well. So Jacob, thanks for jumping on the phone and and you know going to the roof of a parking garage at South by Southwest to uh, to let us know what's going on with the latest in movies. We appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Happy to do it. And uh, I leave the site in your hands, Ben. <laughs> well, where can people f uh, follow you on Twitter if they want to get your instant reactions after the movies that you're seeing coming up? Yeah, uh, for my tweets and for me complaining about Austin traffic, I am at Jacob S. Hall. Awesome. And I am at Ben Pears. And you can find more about all of the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, well, you don't have to, su to subscribe on all of them. You know, just one is probably fine, whichever one you choose. Uh, but you can send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Also, if you could, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>